tuning in to our Neighborhood Church podcast. Join us on Sunday at any of our locations. To learn more about our church, visit neighborhoodchurch.com or download our church app. Welcome to Super Bowl Sunday. So, who's your pick? How many of you for Kansas City? How many for Philadelphia? How many of you for the commercials? Yeah, there was a survey done a while back. It was kind of interesting. I mean, just uh, past this past week, it, it showed a picture of the, the United States, and it colored in all the areas that were actually rooting for the teams, and then the, it was only, which was only two states, and the rest of them were <laughs> voting for the commercials. Now, there's one particular commercial. I do hope millions of people watching the game today will see and take to heart. I'll, I'll talk about that in a moment, but my name is Mike, uh, one of the pastors here, and so glad that you are uh, here today, and I'm glad that you, uh, <clears throat> whether you're here in person or online, uh, for we're talking about uh, the Super Bowl of all of ancient Israel's holy days and celebrations. Over these past few weeks, uh, we have been looking at Leviticus chapter 26 in the Bible in the Old Testament, and walking through these God-given celebrations Israel was to participate in, and that they were not only community-building times and, and times to teach important elements about a relationship with God, but they all pointed to Messiah that we know to be Jesus. Jesus is our Sabbath rest. Jesus is our Passover lamb. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the first fruit of the resurrection. Jesus provides the Holy Spirit. Jesus is a trumpet blast of our interaction with God. And here on this day of atonement that we'll be looking at today, Jesus is the once for all sacrifice to permanently restore our connection to God. You see, God is in the restoration business. It's kind of like all those things that you see online, people turning pieces of furniture into what they were, into something amazing. Take a, you know, one of those old credenzas that hold, held a TV now into a kid's play uh, kitchen area or something like that. They, all kinds of different uh, things were made for this moment, uh, recycling cans and bottles and then taking leftover food at restaurants and being able to give it to people in need. And then there's the whole uh, recycle uh, business and upcycling business. And then they do things like make toilet paper out of bamboo. Now, I don't know, bamboo grows prolifically. I mean, it does never, you can actually almost watch it grow. But also, you know, have you heard the, the torture of putting bamboo shoots under your fingernails? And then toilet paper? I'm just a little bit worried. You know, and it doesn't feel that soft. But, but then, then there's also interesting, uh, there's this whole set of cookies called upcycled cookies. Now that, the title ought to worry you. This particular one is made from uh, the husks of coffee and also the cherry, the, the, there's like a, uh, they call it coffee cherry. It's a, kind of the leftovers around the coffee beans. It's all ground up, made into flour and cookies. There's also another set that's made from okra. And, and this is not the okra that you use. This is kind of the leftover okra. I don't know about you, but I'm not a real fan of okra anyways. But, but, but it's uh, these upcycle cookies. If you want to try some later on afterwards, let me know. We'll all be looking at you while you try. Instead of the nice uh, muffin or stuff that's like, maybe you can have some 
upcycled cookies. It's, it's taking discarded, imperfect, flawed, damaged, unused goods and repurposing them, restoring them. Now, unfortunately, the reality of life is we were born imperfect, flawed, and damaged. Yes, fearfully and wonderfully made. Look at the person next to you and say, oh, you look marvelous. Yes, we're, perfectly, we're fearfully and wonderfully made, but with a condition that has separated us from God. Isaiah 59.2 says, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. The effects of this disconnect are not good. We no longer gain any true influence or good direction from God, not, no absorbing in the great blessings of God and the realization and the revitalization of his presence in our life and no entrance into heaven. It's a pretty steep reality to this unfortunate devastation and difficulty and flawed and damaged life of sin. So God set up this day of atonement with strict requirements to just cover Israel's sin and atone for their sin for just that year. Strict because sin was to be dealt with God's way. However, and this is the good news and we sang about it, Jesus is that once for all sacrifice for sin. And as we believe in Jesus, our connection with God is permanently restored. Now, looking back on this holy day from the Bible book of Leviticus, we'll be looking at verses 26 to 32, but also other passages, we can learn three rhythms of life to experience a closer connection with God. For to face and lament our sinful condition while embracing God's restoration draws us closer in relationship to him. So let's explore this Super Bowl of festivals, this high holy day of the Day of Atonement, and see what rhythms God might encourage us with. But before we do, if you wouldn't mind standing to your feet, let's pray and ask God to bless us. I'm glad that you chose to be here, uh, whether it's here or online uh, with us today. I think God has something for you here. And it's going to be a wonderful time in God's word this morning. Lord, thank you for uh, just all that you went through for us, Jesus, uh, being that sacrifice, once for all sacrifice for our sin. And Lord God, thank you for setting up that day of atonement to help people realize and understand their sinful condition. And God, may we learn from this this morning. May you challenge us with even some rhythms in life that we can do now that will help us draw deeper to you and into you and know you more. Use this time, we pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can have a seat, and I encourage you to take out of the worship folder that you were given to you, fold it over. Jocelyn talked about that card, that uh, Connection card is important to us mostly. I mean, we'd love to connect with you, obviously, but that prayer request, we'd love to pray for you. And, and like I said, I take those and keep them with me all week. They sit on my desk and I pray for you. I pray for you all this morning who turned in one of these cards as well. But there's some blanks to fill in. The answers will be up on the screen. If you're online, you can find that somewhere on our webpage. There's also in the lobby area and on our webpage uh, a study guide for today. And you, you're definitely gonna wanna grab this because I'm, we're gonna launch through a zillion verses today because this day of atonement is very pivotal in understanding faith and going forward in faith. And, and there's a lot of great verses on here. And the hope is that you will take these, look them up, write them down, but you can get them in the study guide. And then inside here, there's a number of questions. Many of our life groups go through this as a connect guide for them, but also there's some 
great uh, questions for personal study on here. And there's some links that are on there. The links are online as well that you can look those up and encourage you to do so as you walk through this time. Because our hope is that you take this time and go a little deeper in God's word and and, and taking those things, there's a lot of study helps on our Bible, on our uh, webpage, Bible verses and, and studies and links that will help you. And so I encourage you to check that out. This, this is the revived section of our webpage. We also do a, a podcast most every week. And in there, we go a little deeper and talking about these things and take some neat side trips. And I think you'll enjoy that. But God has provided a way that we can be restored <clears throat> from the damage of sin in our lives. Not by our own efforts, but by God's. He did that back in ancient times with this day of atonement and did and does that through Jesus. And in this day of atonement, we can see really three rhythms we can take on that will help us experience a closer connection with God. The first is to grieve sin. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to Leviticus chapter 23. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, chapter 23. We'll be looking at verse uh, 16, excuse me, 26 to uh, 32 in there. 23, 26 to 32. And the Lord spoke to Moses. This is in the list of all the different celebrations that have gone on previously in the Bible book of Leviticus chapter 23. And Moses and, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, now on the 10th day of the seventh month is the day of atonement. It shall be for you a holy convocation. Now the holy convocation as we've been looking at is, is gathering, very focused on God and gathering together. And actually on this day, the day of atonement, actually Israelites spent most of their time in the synagogue in these times together. And so they spent a lot of day in that. And, and it says, and uh, and you shall afflict yourselves. I'll mention what that is in a moment and present a food offering to the Lord. And you shall not do any work on that very day for it is a day of atonement to make atonement for you before the Lord, your God. For whoever is not afflicted on this very day shall be cut off from his people. And whoever does not ever does any work on that day, that very day, that person will be, well, I will destroy from among them. You shall not do any work. It is a statute forever throughout your generations and all your dwelling places. It shall be to you a Sabbath of solemn rest and you shall afflict yourselves. And on the ninth day of the month, beginning of the evening, from the evening to evening, you shall keep your Sabbath. Wow, that seems a little strict. And yes, it is. And even more so as we will see soon, because sin is not to be taken lightly. Sin is nasty stuff. It has the power to mess over our lives. Actually, if we, we stop for a moment and think of the things that we've been into, it has messed over our lives. It leads us away from God's good, right path. And if not dealt with, it will end with eternal separation from God. Now, sure, if we've come to faith in Jesus, we are saved from sin's ultimate effect. And yet, it can make life miserable if we choose to hold on to it or to let sin influence our lives. If you have your Bible now, you're in Leviticus, turn over to the Bible book of Romans in the New Testament, chapter six. Now we're going to be going through the Bible a lot. 
jumping from Old to New Testament and New Testament, Old Testament, and all around there. It's a lot going on here because this particular celebration, a lot of, especially the Bible book of Hebrews and of Romans, all of it hinge on understanding this day of atonement. So hopefully you'll stick with me and we'll go through this and we'll, I think we'll make it to kickoff time if you're patient. Just kidding. We, no worries. <laughs> uh, so Romans chapter six, uh, verse 12. Paul, the apostle Paul is talking to the Roman believers. These are already people who've come to faith in Jesus, but there's a rift in the church between Jew and Gentile and who's going to customs are winning out and they're all struggling and they're letting uh, 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 frustration and uh, anger and uh, dissension in their hearts. And Paul says this, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey its passions. Verse 13, do not present your members to sin as instruments, members of your body, your whole person, your mind, all of that uh, as, as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments of righteousness for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, but under grace because sin can still as believers mess us over and, and, and create havoc in our lives, just like it did in the Roman church. And it does to us now. One way we choose not to let sin influence over our lives is to grieve sin to feel the effects of it. The instructions on this day of atonement was to, in the Leviticus passage, was to afflict ourselves. That doesn't mean get a whip and start whipping yourself. It doesn't mean that. It means, it means to put ourselves in a place where we go without, where we go without pleasures, a time of self-denial, uh, humbled for our privileged sense and bowed low, realizing the sorrow of our sin. And as we feel the pangs of pain from not eating or, or realize that we've pushed away from some of the pleasures that we enjoy, that as we feel those, dist, uh, uh, that, those struggles, we get a sense that sin has an effect on our life. See, there were no parties on this day. There was no dancing, no feasting. It was a solemn day. Time to never forget the devastation sin causes. For the individual, this was a time to go without, to be reminded uh, that sin pushes us to a dark level and is not a good thing. For the high priest in that time, as he was the one who on behalf of Israel went into God's presence, Leviticus chapter 16, we'll look at that in a moment, all of that, but just verse 19 says, and he shall sprinkle some blood, he would sacrifice, make some sacrifice and take a bowl of that blood and sprinkle it with his fingers and to cleanse and consecrate it, meaning the mercy seat, but also other places in the temple from the uncleanliness of the people's sin. Now we're going to look more intensely at this, uh, what the priest did, but you got to get the picture. The priest would dip his hand in this bowl of blood from an ox and a, and a, and a um, goat, and then he would sprinkle it. In other words, he would get the blood on his hands. It was a great uh, time of symbolizing the fact that, 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 that to visualizing our own sin and to own it. To say, I messed up. I was the one who chose to do. not quit blaming you know, that's, you know, that's the second greatest sin, right? Eve ate of the fruit, handed it to Adam. They, God came and confronted them. And Adam goes, it's not my fault. It's the woman you gave me. <laughs> and then the, the uh, woman said, no, it's not my fault. It's the serpent. And that's the second great sin we blame. But, but to own it, to grieve our sin, because sin destroys, destroys marriages and blows apart great friendships. It devastates families 
even greater than cancer. It extracts, it extracts life out of us. We need to, to feel that pain and to lament the blood on our hands. And we can do that now because we don't have the day of atonement, don't need the day of atonement because of what Christ did. But we can grieve our sins by, like when we take times of communion like we did last week to sit for a moment and realize it was our sins that nailed Christ to the cross. In fact, some of you who come to our Good Friday services, sometimes we have a cross up here and a bunch of nails and, and a piece of paper to write down the things that you're dealing with, your own sins, and to put that on there and nail it to the cross. And when you hear those nails hammering into cross, you get the idea that Christ was the one who paid for our sin. Good Friday is all about that. Not good because of our sin, but good because of what Christ did and then there's this, this season in the church called Lent, not Lent, but Lent. And, and it, it's, it's a season to remember all of looking forward to actually many churches and many religious um, Christianities, uh, denominations practice a, a time of going without for this 40 days before Easter to, to remember our sin and to grieve sin, to grieve our own sin, that Jesus died for each of us. Romans 6.10, for the death he, that's Jesus, died. He died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. And when we come to that realization, we, and maybe there's even some sin that we need to confess, we do what 1 John 1, nine says, if we confess our sins, he, that's God, is faithful <clears throat> and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do me a favor, make a fist like this. Make it hard. Really squeeze in on there. <laughs> See, when you have and harbor sin in your life, it's like you've got a grip on it because what you're saying is that I want to hold on to this because I want this thing and it's no, I know God doesn't want it, but I'm going to hold on to it with a death grip. Come on, grip harder, grip harder. Oh, really, got to get those muscles, the knuckles go white. And when we come to God and we confess it to him, we say confession is simply agreeing with God that this thing, this sin that we're holding on to is not right. And when we confess it, we agree with that and we let go, let go of your hand. And then a relief. That's what it is for us when we confess our sin. And we should take time with that daily and, moment, and, and in moments and, and that. But, but how do we do that? Well, let me jump to another verse. You're in Romans, New Testament. Go back to the Old Testament this, in the book of Psalms. Psalm 51. This is a, a, a psalm where David, King David, uh, great sin with Bathsheba, Adultery, murder, lying, cheating, stealing, all of those things wrapped up in this one sin. And David finally realizes his sin. He owns it. He's grieving it. And he's letting it go. And listen to his words. Psalm 51. You should, I encourage you to read the whole psalm, but let me just read you verses 3 and 4. For I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me against you and talking to God. You alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. It's to come to God, grieving that sin, confessing it to him. It's one of the reasons why I last week asked you to read Psalm 27. I also sent an email out mentioning that, which was a traditional read 10 days between the last festival, the festival of trumpets and this festival, the day of atonement. It was to help you give some preparation to the time together today 
because the message of this psalm, part of this psalm is processing the reality of living in a sin-filled world. Since you're in Psalms 51, go now over to Psalms 27, verses 1 and 3. Or excuse me, look again, verses 3 and 4. It says, Though an army encompass against me, that's that feeling of, oh my gosh, life is closing in around me. My heart shall not fear, though war rises against me. I will be confident because of their letting go of this sin. One thing I have asked the Lord and I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple that that longing to be connected to God that the sin has put it, created a distance with. I encourage you as we can, verses seven to 13, then processes through all those feelings of fear and anxiety and separation from God. It's a venting out of what sin causes. It's an important rhythm to grieve our sin. Take it seriously. For to face and lament our sinful condition while embracing God's restoration draws us closer in relationship with him. Take on this rhythm and grieve sin. The next rhythm to help us experience a closer connection to God is to believe in God's restoration. In Leviticus chapter 16, 1 to 34, there lists a number of specific instructions to the priest for this day of atonement to cover Israel's sin for a year. Go ahead and take your Bibles. Back to Leviticus, now to chapter 16. And let's look at verses one to three. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of his two sons, the two sons of Aaron. Now that's a whole story in itself of people not acting accurately in the house of God. And you can find that earlier in Leviticus. But with two sons of Aaron, when they drew near to the Lord and died, and the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, your brother, not to come to at any time into the holy place. We'll explain that in a moment inside the veil before the mercy seat that is on the ark so that he may not die. For I will appear in a cloud over the mercy seat. But in this way, Aaron shall come to the place, the holy place with a bull from the herd as a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. There was uh, in ancient Israel, uh, both the mobile worship center called the tabernacle and then the permanent worship place called the temple. There were some major elements of this. Uh, outside in the, in the courtyard, there was a, the brazen altar, which is where they sacrificed the animals and burnt offerings. And then there was this giant, looked like a birdbath. It was a place for ceremonial washing. And inside the holy place then, there was a number of, of articles. There was the article of showbread, which had some deep meaning, the article, uh, the, the uh, place of incense, and then the candelabra, which is a lot what Hanukkah is about, and the lighting there. And all of those represent Messiah. He's the bread of life. He's the light of the world. And he will uh, connect us to God as the prayers of those going up as the Holy Spirit prays for us. But then there was this giant curtain. It was a cubit in, in, in depth. Cubit is from tip of your fingers to the end of your elbow, which is around 18 inches, this huge curtain. And inside that curtain sat the Ark of the Covenant. How many of you have seen Raiders of the Lost Ark? Yeah, it's that. Not, not that one, but the, the one that God instructed Moses to build. And, and it was an incredible uh, uh, two angels' wings would, would go together creating a seat that was called the mercy seat. And in there, there was this 
incredible mist, this smoke that would enter in and kind of fill that area of the temple. You know, we sometimes think, oh, why do we have theater smoke in our worship center? Well, it's to, it could be to represent the, the, the smoke of the, the, the presence of God because people would see that smoke and go, woo, God is here because he was, that's where he dwelt. If you want some more about that, there's an article in the, in the study notes that you can uh, take a look at that. But once a year on this day of atonement, the high priest would enter into the Holy of Holies, that place where the Ark of the Covenant was. And before then, in verses uh, 4 to 34 of, of Leviticus 16, were specific instructions for the priests. If not followed to the letter, he died. There's some extra biblical texts that were written uh, later on that, 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 that said some in some traditions that the uh, high priest would have a rope tied onto his ankle as he walked into the Holy of Holies because if he dropped dead, you couldn't go get him because you'd dropped dead. So they kind of pulled him out just in case. And we don't know if that's exactly true, but it, there are some traditions that say that that's a possibility. But all of this details and, and the, 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 the offerings and, and uh, sacrifices, all of that saying God is serious about sin and it has to be dealt with his way. So sacrifice would have been made, burnt offerings and coals from the burnt offerings would light the incense and the blood would be sprinkled to purify specific areas of the temple. Along with the blood of a bull, the two priests, uh, the priests brought, were select, two goats were selected and then they would cast lots. One was chosen to be a sacrifice. The blood of the goat and the bull were sprinkled on the mercy seat of the Ark of the, uh, of the Ark in the Holy of Holies. Now, what's interesting about the, the Ark is that it was a box. Inside the box were a couple of elements. One was a golden vat or uh, vessel of manna, the manna that they wandered, Israel wandered in the desert, and they had it in there. How it was preserved, I have no idea. But also in there was a, uh, uh, the, the, the Ten Commandments were there on tablets in that box, and also was Aaron's rod. Now, what's interesting about that, if all of those represents a rebellion, in other words, God contains our rebellion. And then it's amazing in that reality, God deals with our hearts. Now, the other live goat was called the scapegoat. Look at uh, verse 21 in Leviticus 16. And Aaron shall lay hands, both hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities of the people of Israel and all the transgressions and all of their sins. And he shall put them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who, who is in readiness. And the goat shall bear all the iniquities on itself to a remote area. And he shall let the goat go free in the wilderness. Letting as a visual sign that God takes and removes our sin as far as the East is from the West. It's where we get our, phrase scapegoat front and that's a whole new realization but a bunch more actions were done by the priests so much symbolism as god dealt with our sin at first to cover or atone for it this covering lasted a year so once a year this was the very this was a very important ceremony reconnecting people to god restoring that relationship and holding back the corrosive nature of sin Leviticus 17.11 talks about why there needs to be sacrifice. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given you it to you 
on the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes the atonement by life. That's also listed in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, speaking that for the remission of sins, there has to be a blood sacrifice. And this day of atonement, therefore, shaped Israel's belief to see that sin is real and that God held it and covered it. And it will ultimately be dealt with through Jesus. For Jesus is that once for all sacrifice for our sin. Romans 6, 10 and 11 now. We heard it before, but let me read it again. For the death he died, that's Jesus died. He died to sin once for all, that the life he lives, he lives to God so that you may also consider yourselves as dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. Jesus is the one who washes us clean, whose blood does not just cover for a year, but for all eternity. First John 2, 2, he is the propitiation of our sins, not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. That word propitiation means satisfying the wrath of God, the consequence of God has for sin and atoning and cleansing for all eternity for our sin and dealing with the separation between sinful humanity and God. See, when Jesus died, when he was sprung out on the cross, trying to breathe as he lifted himself up in an excruciating pain, knowing that all the sin of the world was dumped on him, he screamed out these words, it is finished. And those words actually mean paid in full. In other words, our sin is no longer just covered once a year by this day of atonement, that it is satisfied for all eternity. Woo! Man, isn't that a good thing? And what's interesting is what happened in the temple on that very day. Look at Matthew chapter 27, verse 51. And behold, when Jesus screamed out, it is finished. Behold, the curtain of the temple, that's that 18-inch curtain between the Holy of Holies and the Holy Place, Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant is, in that curtain and the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rock split. Woo! Man, that must have been a day in the temple. <laughs> no more need for the Day of Atonement. It's all found in Jesus and experienced through belief. First John or excuse me, just John 1, 12. But all who did receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Belief isn't just merely understanding it in our mind. Belief has an action. Now, if I say, I have a $10 bill in this envelope, and I put it in there so you can't see through it, because you have to have faith. If I say I have this for someone, but you have to come up here and get it, okay, thank you, Alan. Now you almost made it. This is not like the pool of Shalom where you miss it, but it's but you miss this one. Um, so here's the way. Alan, you can express even more faith. I want you to go to the store today. Okay. And I want you to go and buy something just under $10 so you don't pay for taxes and stuff like that. <laughs> okay. Don't take any other money with you. Just take this. Okay. And then when you're standing at the register ready to pay, open this up. That's belief. That's belief. I get and it. Thank you. Give him a hand. Give Alan a hand. 
Now, I know some of you weren't ready to move because you go, is Mike doing something? Because <laughs> I know Mike. Sometimes he's going to pull one on me or something like that. But see, a lot of the times we have this brain knowledge of Jesus, but we just sit in our faith. We don't trust God and take him at his word. When he says give, oh, I really don't want to give. When he says serve, oh, that really must not mean me. When it says love your enemies, mm, nah, not mine. You don't know my enemies. When it says be kind to those who are not kind to you. Mm. When it says don't fight back, turn the other cheek. See, belief is acting upon what Jesus said. And my fear is that some who say they have faith really only have an intellectual understanding that Jesus is their savior. And have never come to the realization to own their sin and to realize that Jesus was the one who paid for it. And to now take action in this idea of working this godliness that we talked about last week, living life God's way, that's where it's at. That doesn't save you. That just gives evidence of, but that's God's restoration plan. Believe it. Or to face our, to face and lament our sinful condition while embracing God's restoration draws us closer in relation to him. Take on this rhythm and believe in God's restoration. One more rhythm to help us experience a closer connection to God. It's to go deeper with the Lord. You're in Leviticus. Get ready. Now turn over to the Bible book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 19. I think you'll catch the symbolism here. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from apart from evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And those are just all about the day of atonement. But yet now found all of that in Jesus. Because of Jesus, we can go directly to God. We don't, he is the high priest and talked about in here. We don't need to go through all that, that uh, 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 ceremony and actions. We can go directly to God. That separation from God that Isaiah 59, 2 explains is closed when we come to faith and belief in him, our sins are atoned for and we stand clean because of Jesus. So therefore let us draw near. Let us go deeper with God. Let us continue to go deeper and deeper in understanding and interacting with God to get honest with God and express our struggles and our successes, our trials and our triumphs, our temptation and our victories, our shortcomings and accomplishments and have many times of prayer and listening to God, interacting with his word, the Bible, 2 Timothy 3, 16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching and reproof and correction and training in righteousness. It's not just reading the words, but actually interacting with them, 
taking time to ask questions and, and delve deeper and pray, God, what are you saying to me? And taking moments to listen, actually taking those thoughts, holding them captive to make sure they're not wacky thoughts, because I know sometimes I can do that. It's going deeper. Psalm 27 is that going deeper in interaction with God. And you can see, and listen, as King David goes deeper, verse four of Psalm 27, one thing I've asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord, that I may have that close interpersonal interaction with God all the days of my life. And to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord to inquire in his temple. Psalm 27 goes on verses four to six and goes on with that desire to deeply connect with God. And as we talked already, verses seven to 13, processing the feelings of fear and anxiety and separation from God. The Psalm ends with a resolve and a challenge. Wait for the Lord. It says in verse 14 of Psalm 27, be strong and let your hearts take courage. Wait for the Lord to wait for the Lord is to trust in him enough to go deeper going deeper with the Lord because he gets us. Hebrews four verses 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest talking about Jesus who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You know, you can try to say that Jesus doesn't understand me, but he does. He knows what it's like to be rejected. He knows what it's like to have his family turn on him. He knows what it's like to be falsely accused. He knows what it's like to feel suffering and pain and hardship in life. He knows what it's like to be homeless. He knows what that is. He knows the internal struggles and the deep, deep uh, wanting of something to be different. So hard that he prayed that it was like great drops of blood that came on his forehead. Jesus gets us. And we can experience that closeness of God. He gets us. He gets all of us. And actually, those are the words you will most likely see in a commercial or two during the Super Bowl today. It's an ad campaign challenging people to investigate and go deeper with the Lord Jesus because he really does get us, all of us. There will be a link on our webpage, but you can also just Google, he gets us campaign. Now, sure, just like with any good thing, there's controversy. So level that out. And if you have questions, feel free to ask but we're to get closer to go deeper with the Lord for to face and lament our sinful condition while embracing God's restoration draws us closer in relationship with him. Let's take on this rhythm to take action and to get closer to the Lord way more than discarded bamboo or coffee, cherries, whatever, is upcycled and recycled and restored to toilet paper and cookies. God had and has a restoration plan for those who believe. This day of atonement was powerful and brings out rhythms we can apply that are equally as powerful to grieve sin, to believe in God's restoration, 
and to go deeper with the Lord, for to face and lament our sinful condition while embracing God's restoration draws us closer in relationship to him. God really wants for you to experience the the new life in him, the restored life in him. Will you pray with me? Father God, I, I do, as that song saying, stand amazed at why, Lord Jesus, you would go through all of this for us. Let me pause in my prayer. And why don't you look up for just a second? I don't know where you are in your own relationship with God, but it would be great. <laughs> dealing with this Super Bowl of all celebrations and times that Israel was asked to set up by God, if you were to make sure or to step into that relationship with God. It starts really with a simple prayer saying, God, I get it. I am sinful and I grieve that sin. But I am thankful for a Savior who's willing to take my sin upon the cross and be that sacrificial one. By his blood, his death, I'm cleansed. I encourage you. I'm going to pause for just a moment of silence. You pray that in your own words to God. And then I'll close this in prayer. Father God, thank you for listening to those prayers. And Lord, for that one or two or more, or maybe we're all believers here and just be renewed in our faith. Lord, draw us deeper. May we grieve and believe. And yes, go deeper in you. Help us in that. Thank you, Jesus, for your willingness to go to the cross take upon you all the sin of the world and be that once for all sacrifice. May we live a life that shows that we appreciate you. We pray this in Jesus' name.